It's been going on two hours since the detectives bailed, locking the door behind them. I could break out, no problem. But I'm sure the vast majority of cops at the station are human, and it would be catastrophically stupid of me to attract any more attention to myself or do anything else that might out me as a shifter. I'm about to go for it anyway when Zaleski returns with a couple of warm mugs. He takes a seat and gestures at the chair across the table from him. Where have you been? I ask, pacing. I've been waiting for- Sit, he replies. I took your meeting with Richards at his warehouse. Oh. My coffee tastes bitter and watery. Okay. As the bear leans his chair back on its rear legs, I hope it can support his weight. You really don't know where Ruby is, do you? He asks. We've been over this. No. A lot of people believe she was a predator. He doesn't say where predator. I shoot a glance at the surrounding mirrored walls. Maybe I've seen too many cop shows on TV, but I can't help wondering if someone is watching and listening from outside the room. Ruby was in 4-H, I tell him. The two of us worked part-time at our Graham's Antiques and Bonsai shop. My sister graduated high school second in her class. She came to Austin... So far, everything I've learned about Ruby's troubles in Austin point to her connection with the late Davidson Morris of Sanguinis. So what happened to Paxton, the guy who persuaded her to move to town in the first place, the one at the music promotion agency who supposedly appreciates that she's a cat? Zaleski stares at me like he's trying to read my mind. If I share my last lead with him, will that help or hurt my sister? My instincts tell me that the detective wants to do right, but he wears a badge, and there's no such a thing as fair justice for wear people. Plus, Clyde mentioned something about Ruby supposedly killing a cop or two. Zaleski brings the chair down on all fours. She came to Austin and what? Disappeared, I reply. What did Richards say? Nothing much, the detective admits. With the families of victims like Travis's family... They mostly want answers. You know, closure. Even under the circumstances, I can't help but sympathize. About my sister, I'm doing all I can to find Ruby. But no one has officially reported her as missing, and she hasn't been formally charged with any crime. It's probably smart to leave it that way, at least for now. At the moment, all I've got for her are questions. Fair enough. Can I go? You're heading home to Kansas? Zaleski asks. He'll smell it if I lie. No? Then lay low. He gives me his business card, and now I have two of them. If you do hear from Ruby, I'd appreciate a heads up. Zaleski sighs, like he knows I'm holding out on him, but can't do anything about it. Otherwise, you're free to go. I follow him to the elevator. As I hit the button, Wertheimer pops his head out of a doorway down the hall and calls, Hey, kid, you got somewhere to stay tonight? I've slept in my car before. I can do it again. I'll be all right. The detectives exchange a look. No, wait, Zaleski says. I know a place. I'm not interested in a youth shelter. I duck into the elevator. Thanks anyway. 
Outside, a couple of homeless guys shuffle by. One is pushing a grocery cart, and the other is singing an old Janis Joplin song. A girl wearing a backpack whizzes past me on a Vespa. Then, up ahead, the shadow I thought was a VW bug steps onto the sidewalk. It's a wear armadillo in animal form. Outside. In public. Downtown. I'd say it had balls, but I don't know anything about armadillo physiology. It's huge. Less cute than I would have imagined. More like a pissed-off armored tank. It's not alone, either. Another dillo steps in back of me from behind a truck. I could leap over either one or dart to the side and outrun them. I could easy, my friends, calls a sixty-something man in a pinstripe business suit, strutting down the middle of the street. I just want to have a few words with the boy. If it's about my sister.